Hey, Josh Felber here. Gotta check out today's episode. If you're looking at how to figure out how to generate generational wealth through real estate, specifically short-term rentals, STRs, then you gotta watch today's episode. It's here, uh, Avery Carl's gonna drop some amazing insights for you on how you can get started, what you can do, and then how to exponentially grow your short-term rental business. So check out today's episode with Avery Carl right now. Hey, thinking about the loving this freedom gear or gratitude quotes, whatever that is for you, want some of the softest t-shirts, hoodies, uh, clothing, then go check out my friends over at gratitudegear.com. Check out gratitudegear.com. They'll hook you up. Use the discount code MAKINGBANK10 for 10% off. MAKINGBANK10 for 10% off. Gratitudegear.com. You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Filber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today super excited for today's guest. She is the author of Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, Your Guide to Analyzing, Buying, and Managing Vacation Properties. She is also the host of her own podcast, The Short-Term Show. Avery Carl went from a 37K salary to a real estate investment portfolio of over 100 doors in five years through strategically investing in short-term and vacation rentals. This strategy has allowed her to grow her portfolio much more quickly than starting off with traditional long-term rentals. Avery's company, Short-Term Shop, has helped over 4,500 families create generational wealth through real estate investing. So I'm super excited today to learn from her. Let's welcome Avery Carl to Making Bank. Thank you so much. I need to update my one sheet. I'm closing on door number 220 tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I was trying to find some too, just to make sure. And then I didn't see anything like you don't publicly put it all out there. So that's all good. <laughs> Two, 220, that's super awesome and amazing. Can I give us a little bit of your background? I mean, what got you started? I mean, obviously you were working somewhere making 37000 a year and something got you excited in uh, real estate. Um, I don't think anything necessarily got me excited about real estate because real estate's not a generally exciting thing, at at least at first. The way that it kind of worked out was I was finishing grad school. I was working in the music business in Nashville, which pays nothing because it's sexy and there's a lot of people out the door who will do it cheaper than you and everybody knows it. So, (laughs) um, uh, but my husband and I were moving from New York City to Nashville. We live at the beach now, but we were moving to Nashville back then. And uh, our agent at the time was really trying to get us to buy a house in uh, like the hipster town in Nashville. And we were like, no way, no way. We're moving from Brooklyn to Tennessee. We're going out in the country. We want no neighbors. We're sick of neighbors. We've been in New York for too long. So we bought a house out in the country. But she kept giving us all these examples of people's houses we're appreciating, like $100,000 in two or three years. And we thought, well, you know what? Maybe there's something to that. You know, maybe we were kind of into personal finance at the time. And we were like, well, maybe we'll buy one of these. And when our future kids need to go to college, we can just sell it. And it will have appreciated so much that we can just pay for their college with this house and uh, not have to come out of pocket. We thought we were like these great geniuses that no one had ever thought of this before. Didn't even know it was called real estate investing. 
So we did it, not knowing what we were doing, and bought a house. Uh, it was a long-term rental. It was uh, the mortgage on that was six hundred forty-seven bucks a month. We were able to rent it for fifteen hundred a month, which is actually really, really good for a long term. We didn't know, but uh, that first rent check, of almost a thousand bucks a month, was a lot when you're making what I was making. So right, we were yeah, like, man, this is cool. We want it. We want more of these things. So let's um, let's buy some more. How do we do this? And so then we started actually educating ourselves on our investment and reading books and listening to podcasts and all that stuff. And we had like one down payment for one single family home left. And we thought, well, what can we buy with this that's going to make us the most amount of money, the fastest, so that we can go scale our portfolio faster, so we could buy more faster. And so we landed on short-term rentals. We knew we did not want to do it in Nashville because the regulations there, they were just constantly changing. Nashville is mm. not super friendly towards that. And we were like, we can't afford to make a mistake here. We can't afford for the city to tell us we can't do this after we've already paid for it. So we thought, well, where can we go that it's the normal thing for people to just come stay in a house rather than a hotel? And we had just been to the Smoky Mountains about three hours east of Nashville a few weeks before, gotten into a gigantic fight about he wouldn't take me to see Dolly Parton at, we only had one car with us because we were um, camping, wouldn't take me to see Dolly Parton at the casino. And so we were like, well, we just went there and everybody else was staying in cabins. Like somebody owns those cabins. Why can't it be us? So we ended up buying one. He ended up actually taking me to see Dolly Parton at uh, the Ryman in Nashville, which is like the Grand Ole Opry, basically the original one. So that was smoothed over as well. So we've just kind of figured out back then there weren't all these education tools and like all these right. mentors and stuff, every influencers running all over the place. So we just kind of had to figure out how to do it ourselves. And we did. We figured out how to manage a property remotely. That one turned into five cabins in the Smokies over the course of the next about year. Here we are five and a half years later uh, with 220 doors. They're not all short term. I'm not one of those people that's going to tell you short terms the right and only way and only buy short terms. We've got multifamily long terms. We've got single family long terms. We've got eight short terms, but we've been, we were able to use the income from five short terms to roll all of that into more real estate faster. So that's kind of how we got into real estate investing. No, that's, that's super cool. So obviously just getting into it and you didn't know anything, you know, we're always going to run into challenges and things like that. What did you kind of take away from the kind of those first five? You're like, ah, oh, crap. I know we screwed up here, here, and here. Or I learned this. That's now helping you as you're growing it, be more successful and, you know, do better with all your other properties. So as time went on, since we bought our first one to about probably our sixth, there, a lot of automation tools came out for mm. short-term rentals. So when we first started, I was having to look like every time somebody booked, I would have to call my cleaner and say, you got to go this day. I was having to like sit, sit down with a calendar at the beginning of every month, look at all the dates, send it to her in six different ways. So she couldn't possibly miss one. And everything was done like totally by hand manually. Sure. And now like all the property management software automates all of that for you, like syncs with your cleaners calendar. So as soon as somebody books, your cleaner knows all the automation, like all the, sorry, all the communication is automated. So we used to have to every day sit down and say, okay, who's checking in tomorrow? We better go ahead and send them their door code and send them this and that. Who's checking out tomorrow? We need to give them the checkout instructions and have to manually send that. Now all of that's automated. So we kind of like technology and the industry grew as we grew kind of at the same time. And it made it a lot easier for us. Uh, but I mean, the biggest mistake we made was not starting sooner than we did, honestly. And, and, and why do you say that? So we could, if we'd, who knows where we would be now if we'd started earlier. 
we had the ability to start earlier. We just thought okay. like, oh, well, if you're buying a house, you know, it needs to be like your dream house, your forever house. You buy a house as nice as your parents. I didn't realize that I, when I was bartending at the Jackalope in Austin, Texas, and my friends were buying these $70,000 houses on the east side, I'm like, no, those aren't nice enough. Why would I buy that? I totally could have <laughs> afforded it. And those houses are worth, you know, a million dollars now. Sure. So uh, it's just, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Best time to buy real estate was yesterday and all that. So I obviously you mentioned automation was a big thing. What's, I mean, some of the top automated like softwares, property management softwares to use and what do you look for? So there's a lot of them. We use Guesty for hosts. That's one of the big ones. There's another one called Owner Res that does basically everything you could ever need a, a piece of software like that to do, except for it's just really hard to learn and really hard mm. to get going. So Guesty for hosts is my favorite. There's also hospitable. There's a few other ones that are like the top five, but Guesty is our go-to. Okay. And when you guys, <clears throat> obviously there's a lot of different markets for short-term rentals. I mean, what's kind of the, what do you look for? Is it, Hey, you know, I'm going to look for places where people go to vacation at mostly, or is it like kind of just anywhere, or, but what's that makes that ideal spot? Sure. So there's there's no wrong way to do it. But the way that I focus my own investing and then the way that I focus our real estate offices, we've got 15 of them and they're wow. all in markets that are like this. So markets that are what I call mature vacation rental markets. So, you know, Smoky Mountains have had short term rentals, vacation rentals there since the 50s. Destin, Florida, another one of our markets also where I live. We've had vacation rentals since before there was electricity. So because they've been around for so long, the regulations are really, really favorable. The economy is kind of dependent on them. So you don't have to worry about like Nashville, how I was talking about earlier. You don't really have to worry about them regulating against you. And then also they're pretty recession resistant in those types of regional drivable, mature vacation rental markets, because most of the tourism, I like to see most of the tourism driving in and not flying. Uh, you know, some people are going to fly, but I like the majority of it to be, you know, drive destinations. Okay. Because they're accessible, also affordable vacations. So, you know, in a downturn like COVID, or it wasn't necessarily, I, I don't know what I would call it. I'm not an economist, but COVID was a thing and people didn't want to get on flights together and get sick. So they were only doing driving vacations in a downturn that's more financially driven, like 2008. People didn't want to, you know, they weren't flying to Hawaii because it's a big right. expensive vacation, but they were, you know, driving to the Outer Banks in North Carolina or Panama City Beach in Florida. So, these areas are kind of recession resistant because of that. These are also areas that have seen it all. You know, they've been through wars, all kinds of economic situations, recessions, natural disasters, and they're still big, huge tourist destinations. So they've kind of been through it all. So I like to focus on regional drivable vacation markets. Awesome. That's cool. What, um, so like, for example, we have, we have a place in Marco Island that we got for ourselves, but then we also rent it out. And then just the other day, Marco Island, past kind of the whole short-term rental law thingy where I guess now you can't rent short-term rentals <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it just went through. And so, you know, I mean, obviously Florida is a great place to be and that's one of the, you know, Naples, Marco Island, that's a great, you know, vacation place for people to go. You know, what, how do you kind of manage something like that if, you know, that comes up or, you know, at, after you've already have, you know, property in the area? 
So yeah, we've stayed out of South Florida for that exact reason, because the regulations in South Florida are a little more difficult than up here in the panhandle. So all of our Florida markets are in the panhandle because mm. there's not a lot of hotels there. There's also not a lot of full-time residents in the panhandle either. Most everything is a vacation home or second home, things like that. So uh, we definitely tr you know, make sure that we're staying up on things with the local, you know, city council making, or, you know, if it's the county, we just call the planning and zoning department, make sure there's nothing coming down the pipe, but you got, you got to stay vigilant on that kind of stuff and pay attention. And if it looks like that's happening, it's, you know, it just has not happened in any of our markets. We try to be really, really strategic about that. So, um, it just, you gotta, you gotta be on the ball with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, fortunately for us, it doesn't affect us a whole lot because we have a minimum rental term of uh, 30 days. So I think it, it extends it so it has to be 31 days. So it kind of uh, messes the people that were all seven days and three day type rental yeah. properties. <laughs> so, um, is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. What, um, so how did you guys go from like five to, what'd you say, 220 or 225? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, units in what, five, seven years. Um, so like, how did you guys scale that effectively? And then also, so it's not just like everything's happening out there and it's not working out and all that, obviously successfully. So the main piece of advice I have on that is to not live off of your rental income, only just put that back into more properties. And I think where people get in trouble is living off their rental income. So they can never actually, you're living off of it. So you can never use it to go buy another property. Um, for us, the way we did it was we went as far as our debt to income would let us on conventional loans to start out. And that got us to about four. And then we started doing, um, we started throwing in single family and duplexes in Chattanooga, which at the time, and those were, these are for long-term now, the Chattanooga stuff is for long-term. Okay. Uh, at the time, you know, you could get those for between 80 and a hundred thousand. So you don't really see, you don't feel that 20% on an 80 to a hundred thousand dollar house right. going out the door as much as you do like a hundred thousand on a, <laughs> a nice big short-term rental. So we started just kind of sprinkling those in and then we got up to like 20 of those. And then we said, well, Maybe, you know, we're doing all these little single family deals. Why don't we just do like a 12 unit or 10 unit and find, you know, some multis and start actually making this go a little bit faster. So then we started buying some multis in the Midwest. And then, you know, it just accelerated much more quickly because now you're buying between 10 and 50 units in one transaction sure. instead of one after the other. And, and then with kind of like your multifamily type units... What do you guys, you know, are you guys looking for a certain type? Are you guys looking to be able to then fix those up and increase rent? Kind of what's your whole focus and goal with those? We typically fix them up and increase rent just because the, it, the way the market's been for the last year and a half, it, it's been so hard to find anything mm. that, you know, you're not finding anything turnkey, multifamily, like not very easily anyway. So the deals got pretty slim. So we're, we're down with as long as it's in a good enough area we'll do like a full rehab on stuff just to get, you know, get that rent up and where it needs to be. Right. Okay. Uh, and now as you guys are, ha, have been growing this, do you guys kind of manage it all from where you are in Florida? Do you guys have a property management company or did you create your own kind of like, what's that look like? So it looks different for each asset class. So for all of our long terms, whether it's multi or single property management all the way. 
for our short terms, part of the reason that we were able to scale so much more quickly, and this is what we teach all of our clients at the short-term shop who buy with us too, is how to manage their property remotely so that they don't have to use a property manager. Because in short term, the average property management split is 20% of your mm. gross. So, you know, that's a lot of money. If I'd paid some, a property manager that last year, I would have paid somebody $250,000, which for a $30,000 gig. So right. as a real estate investor, you know, we can all find better things to do with $250,000 than to pay a property manager, uh, at least on, you know, eight, yeah. nine units. It's ridiculous. So we still quote self-manage all of those. We have, uh, since we have so much stuff going on now, we've got a VA who helps us with that, but it's still definitely not like a, a true property manager. So we still are running everything, but we have a, a virtual assistant who helps us do that on the short okay. terms. And then you said you had um, like 15 offices. Is that what you were saying? Real estate offices? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I I did not start this whole journey as a real estate agent. I started <laughs> as a marketing manager. And uh, so probably on our second or third short-term rental purchase, we realized there weren't really any agents in the space who not only specialized in it, but who could really even answer our basic questions about like, how do I find a cleaner? And so mm. I got my license, bridged that gap and became that agent. We started our first office in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, and now we have 15 offices in 15 of the top short-term vacation rental markets in the country. And so any of our clients who buy with us in any of those markets, we have a whole like back-end training program where we teach them how to manage their property remotely so that they don't have to pay that property manager 20% of their gross. So they can actually keep that money and go build their portfolio and scale and actually build some wealth with it instead of paying somebody to run everything. Oh, that's awesome. So you have the book, uh, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Is that kind of then lays out the whole process and kind of how you guys grew it and, and then wh what people need to do? Is that what we're looking at in the book? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically a guide on how to start at the very beginning from like, why do I want to buy a short-term rental? Why short-term versus long-term? How do I choose a market? How do I analyze a property? All the way down to how to do all the management stuff and how to organize your cash flow once you get there so that you can go scale more quickly. Awesome. Guys, I hope, hope you guys really listen to what Avery's been talking about. And if you've ever thought about real estate or looking to go into real estate, short-term rentals are, have been hot. They've, you know, they've, uh, with Airbnb and VRBO and a lot of the different opportunities out there to promote and, you know, showcase that. So if you're looking for something or trying to figure out, hey, what is the best way to get into real estate? You know, you have obviously multiple different options, whether it's multifamily, long-term or short-term, but a lot of times you can acquire a short-term type property for a lot less, fix it up, and then, you know, start renting it out. Uh, so what, uh, I know we got a couple minutes left, um, Avery, What's something you're like, oh man, I hope Josh was going to ask me this type of question. Or I really got to make sure I share it with the audience before we wrap up today that you really want to get out there. Yeah, the main thing is, so you can't always live in the best market to invest in for short-term mm. rental or long-term or whatever. So what I really want people to understand is you don't have to live in the area that you're investing in a short-term rental in order to be able to manage it remotely. A lot of people are like, well, how do I get it clean? Well, what if there's an emergency? It's the same exact thing. Like if a toilet breaks in my place in Tennessee, I'm doing the exact same thing as if one breaks behind me in Florida, I'm calling somebody because I don't know how to fix a toilet. I'm just calling somebody. It, the act, the actual task is the same. I'm picking up the phone and making a call. 
Sure. So it's really just a mindset shift. And um, all you really need is a cleaner, handy person. And then you have your automation tools and then you are off to the races and you can kind of settle in as you go. But I think the biggest limiting belief is thinking that you have to live like next door to it and be able to drive by it. No, that's super important because it's just like, obviously you have them all over the country. So, (laughs) and you're living in Florida and now you you guys have a bunch in the Smoky Mountains and everything. What, um, as you guys were growing, obviously you mentioned the whole thing with, uh, your debt to income ratio and be able to buy, then where did you guys go start to look to, um, you know, acquire, uh, additional capital? Did you raise it through like a friends and family? Did you go to short-term rental type loans? What, what worked for you guys? So we never raised it from other people. We always just kind of bootstrapped and saved and came up with that down payment. Uh, we did eventually move from, conventional loans to more commercial type loans. DSCR loans are the best way to do it now. Those didn't exist for short term when we first started, but we're definitely taking advantage of those now. So DSCR loans work similarly to commercial loans in that they don't take into account your personal debt to income ratio. Mm. They take into account what the property will make and if the property will make as much or more than what the mortgage payment will be every month. And they base it off of that. So you can do basically unlimited finance properties that way. Whereas with conventional, you're limited to 10. You're also limited by your income and things like that. So DSCR is definitely the way to go. And I also started oh. a mortgage company that does those called the mortgage shop. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, I was like, hey, do you recommend somebody? Yep. <laughs> so the, mor- the mortgage shop is a good place to go then. Um, Awesome. Uh, And where can people get more information on what you guys have going on, your trainings, everything you have for short-term rentals? Yeah, absolutely. So on our website, theshorttermshop.com, if you want to work with us, uh, click the Get Connected to an Agent button. Or if you just want to learn more, come to our masterclass, something like that. There is a button there that says sign up for the masterclass. And then you can also find us on Instagram at theshorttermshop. And we have a lot of YouTube training videos on YouTube also at theshorttermshop. Awesome, guys, and all that's down below. You can click on it and uh, go check out the website and everything today. So, uh, Avery, thank you for your time today. Really awesome to grab some information on short-term rentals and real estate and everything and kind of what's happening and uh, how people can start to position themselves uh, to generate some of that uh, generational wealth that you talked about and everything. So thanks again for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.